good day to be indigenous. Get up, stand up. They are going to become more brutal. Couldn't cut, didn't cut again. Because all the hippies were trying to be Indians anyway. They're going to become more repressive because it's a matter of dollars and their illusionary concepts of power. Hey, Victor. We must live in balance with the earth. And also with recent happenings at Wounded Knee. I am awake. Welcome to Native Roots Radio Presents I'm Awake, and I'm your host, Wakanja Hade. Hey, Kadagi, to all my friends and relatives in four directions, you are listening to Native Roots Radio Presents I'm Awake, and I'm your host, Robert Pilot. We discussed, we discuss local and national Native news and events, and as you know, Ogama, I'm disgusted with disgust sometimes, and we, uh, and you also know Native issues are human issues, and human issues are Native issues. And this portion of the show is brought to you by MN350, a grassroots organization fighting for climate justice. A lot going on. Some uh, a, a battle here uh, that we had uh, that you'll be t- speaking on. Uh, also today, I just want to before we get to you, Ogama, I just want to say uh, we're going to have Laura and Laura Anderson, Health Protection Division Manager at the Ramsey County here in Minnesota, and we're going to discuss uh, some uh, things about COVID-19 and, the, and uh, the booster shot, which I've had, and I haven't been sick yet, but i got to find some wood quick. Ho-wah. But before we get into that, uh, we got uh, Ogama with the news that you don't hear any while, anywhere else. Ogama, I'm having trouble. Uh, I shouldn't have took that midday nap. I'm having trouble talking again. Ho-wah. <laughs> hey, Buju, Anin relatives. I am Ogama Ganuakwe, and I'm a citizen of the Red Lake Nation in northern Minnesota. I fall under the Treaty of Old Crossing, and I have some news for you here on Native Roots Radio Presents I'm Awake. Uh, first thing is uh, local news to the Twin Cities, if you have not yet heard about the uh, Roof Depot, uh, which is uh, an old uh, site that is in the South Minneapolis neighborhoods in which uh, the East Phillips Neighborhood Institute wanted to turn into a indoor garden um, and community space. And they have been blocked consistently by the city of Minneapolis now for about 10 years, uh, trying to get a project like this going. And uh, finally, after the city of Minneapolis had denied them again uh, last week, they took to occupying that space. Uh, Many of those uh, members of the East Phillips Institute uh, were arrested. And uh, at the end of it, uh, what they ended up doing today, Robert, which was so exciting to see, is that they testified before a House committee in the state of Minnesota. And uh, they talked to the House committee about uh, what the economic plans for their neighborhood would do, what kind of jobs they would bring, um, how it could help this uh, community that is historically um, and presently uh, affected by pollution at a much higher rate than other communities in the Twin Cities. So um, it was really a beautiful thing to see um, the members from the East Phillips Neighborhood Institute and uh, Minneapolis City Council members from Ward 2 was there um, and, you know, community members and even a former um, House member was there as well to speak on behalf of this project and talk to the uh, House about it. Um, Initially, there was some some pushback uh, from uh, Republican uh, representative. And, uh, you know, the question was, should we get involved with something where it seems a dispute, you know, within a city? Um, but what uh, they brought up, what these residents brought up is that uh, the the state of Minnesota has actually already funded parts of this project. And uh, the reason that they have the draft and uh, the architectural plans for this is because the state of Minnesota already did uh, do some granting uh, funding for them some years ago. And since then, they've been blocked by the city of Minneapolis. Um, so they, I was really impassioned um, at the House Economic Development Finance and Policy Committee, which is a mouthful, um, this afternoon. And they actually extended time for the residents to join and discuss and talk about what was important to them with this. Um, it's House File 2093, um, and it's about appropriating money to the East Phillips uh, Neighborhood Project uh, for the Roof Depot building. And uh, it actually ended up passing the House Economic and Development uh, Finance Policy Committee today, uh, five to six, uh, with no amendments. And uh, it will move on uh, to the um, 
to a further financial committee in the state. And then from there, it would have to be, um, you know, ratified by the by the state of Minnesota. So, I mean, it still has a way to go. But this was a big win uh, for the East Phillips Neighborhood Institute. And uh, Rachel Thunder, who I know we've had on Native Roots Radio many times, uh, was there as well as uh, Cassandra Holmes, uh, who's the director of the East Phillips Neighborhood Institute. Um, and many others were there. And it was um, it was it was a beautiful thing to see, not to mention, you know, just beautiful to see the live house video uh, with Native people um, packed into the seats behind the speakers. <laughs> and, um, you know, it was really great, Robert. And I hope if you yeah. can uh, take a little bit of time to go back and watch that, anybody who's listening and uh, anybody who's listening um, and you support the East Phillips neighborhood, make sure you write to your uh, representatives in the Minnesota State House and Senate and tell them to support House File uh, 2093. I'm sorry, I don't have its sister number for the Senate file uh, yet, but um, we'll, we'll get that um, as we come up. I don't know how you're feeling about that today, Robert. Wow, you know, thanks for letting me, uh, yeah, I, you, what I'm th- feeling is I'm glad that you're able to uh, keep an eye on these things for people that are working, um, and so that's really important, and I just got to say peeny geeky uh, to you for that, Ogama. Also, uh, just to let our people in the civic media realm know in Wisconsin and all around uh, Turtle Island, that's a, a lower min, uh, uh, income area, of course, uh, mixed diverse Very. people. And again, the attack on our relatives that seemingly can't fight back financially are doing it in a good way. So again, thanks, Ogama, to amplify their voice. And um, I guess fighting back helps. Well, absolutely. And, you know, I think one of the most powerful parts of the testimony that was heard today on the roof depot at the Minnesota house was um, Cassandra Holmes talking about her son uh, that passed away as a teenager. Uh, He had a heart condition that he was not born with that he passed away from when he was 16. And she presented this map of the East Phillips neighborhood with dots on it to the representatives and uh, implored them to remember that those dots are people. Those are faces. Those are children. And that the people that were there um, were not just there to build a community center, but they were there because um, their children are passing away, you know, from systemic racism and from pollution in that area. And uh, they live it every day. And and they're there to tell the Minnesota House, you need to help us. And the House, at least so far in this committee, listened today. And I really hope that uh, those ears remain open and uh, that they have some success as they move forward. So, um, prayers are up for that. And, um, you know, I'm wanting to give, uh, one more local shout out here to, uh, Isabella Star LeBlanc. Uh, she just yeah. landed a role in the H- HBO series, uh, True Detective Night Country. Uh, she's Sisseton, Wapiton, Dakota, and, uh, from the Twin Cities. So shout out to you, um, and all of the work that you've done to, uh, get yourself there and, uh, looking forward to seeing more Native people, uh, on the big screen. Right, Robert? Yeah, definitely. And uh, Ogama, I haven't told I, we haven't talked for a few days, but uh, <laughs> I uh, sent in my application and headshot for a reservation dog. So Ooh, um, maybe, that's maybe exciting. Yeah. That. Oh, yeah. By, by the <laughs> way, people, uh, if you are uh, wanting to uh, inter- or, um, audition for reservation yeah. dogs, uh, auditions for reservation dogs are this weekend in Oklahoma on Saturday. Uh, I literally so- was going to fly down there, Ogama, but the, there was too many flights. There wasn't a direct flight. So I just said, well, I'll do it online. So keep your fingers <laughs> crossed. I tell them, they'll probably tell me I have to shave this white goatee off. So I haven't had a, a non-goatee in 50 years. So we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. Um, one last <laughs> thing I want to touch on. Um, unfortunately, um, in the Southwest, uh, the Associated Press reports that the Federal Court of Appeals has actually cleared the way for the construction of the largest lithium mine in the United States, uh, despite tribal and uh, environmental opposition. And we'll have more on that tomorrow. Um, Also today, Robert, before uh, we move forward, uh, we're going to have Kristen Johnson of the Leech Lake Nation joining us today as well to talk about uh, her blog from res to residential. So really excited to hear about uh, Native home buying experiences as well. Oh, wow. Exactly. Excellent. Hey, you're listening to Native Ritz Radio Presents I'm Awake. And up next, we're going to have Laura. Laura Anderson, and uh, I'm excited to talk about that. I was just down in uh, South Dakota, and we can compare notes of what's happening all around Turtle Island 
with COVID. So we'll be right back after this uh, short break. Stay with us. Boost your immunity and help protect your community. COVID-19 is still here, but it's not too late to get your booster. Staying up to date with vaccines can help build protection that has decreased since your last shot and provide better protection against newer variants. Boosters are an important part of protecting yourself from getting seriously ill from COVID-19. To learn more and schedule your appointment, visit ramseycounty.us slash COVID vaccine. ramseycounty.us slash COVID vaccine. JNS Bean Factory is a native-owned, community-supported, cozy, artsy coffee shop which offers roasted on-site beans, live music, and baked goods. Relax in the beautiful outside patio. City Pages writes, voted top 10 coffee shops. Tucked into a quiet corner of St. Paul's Highland Park neighborhood, this coffee shop roasts beans on-site from the best coffee-growing countries in the world. Located at 1518 Randolph Avenue, St. Paul. The good stuff. Hey, Olgama, I've been hearing a lot about this term, climate justice. What is that? Climate justice is recognizing that the negative impacts of climate change don't affect all people equally. It also means transitioning from a fossil fuel-based economy to a more sustainable future. MN350 is one of the groups that's pushing for this transition to protect our futures. You can even get involved, too. That's great, especially since I'm concerned about pipeline projects like Line 3. How can I help MN350? Just find them on Facebook or visit mn350.org. If the statistics say that one in three Native women and one in six Native men have experienced sexual assault in their lifetime, it means our whole community is affected by sexual violence. One is too many. Don't stand by. Stand up. Don't engage in acts of sexual violence. And shut down the dirty jokes, the gossip, the victim blaming and shaming. As a community, we can change the way we respond. Contact the Minnesota Indian Women's Sexual Assault Coalition to attend a workshop to learn more. Sponsored by the Minnesota Indian Women's Sexual Assault Coalition. Hi, this is Representative Sharice Davids from Kansas. I'm Ho-Chunk, and you're listening to Native Roots Radio. And we're back to Native Roots Radio Presents. I'm awake, and this is Robert Pilot. By the Minnesota Indian Women's Sexual Assault Coalition. I think you were a little muted there, Ogama. You want to run that one by again? Oh, yep, yep, sure thing. Uh, this portion of the show is brought to you by the Minnesota Indian Women's Sexual Assault Coalition. Hey, we got a groovy guest on here, Laura Anderson. And Laura, I, uh, before we get going, um, I just want to say I was down in uh, South Dakota for the 50th anniversary of Wounded Knee, the occupation yes. of Wounded Knee, and uh, doing a lot of outdoor things. But when we were going into the stores there, they still wanted you to wear masks, which I was pleasantly surprised. It's a little different up here. Um, yeah, I've certainly noticed different communities, masking, uh, you know, there's just a lot of differences out there in terms of what um, communities will support. And I've been delighted every time I go into a grocery store and I see a couple of us still out there with our masks on. So I'm glad to hear that. Yeah, it was a pleasant surprise. I know I'm a quadruple boosted and the last one was uh, by by a valiant uh, booster and uh, as everybody knows here that listens to us, my wife's a former pharmacist at the University of Minnesota, uh, uh, MTM pharmacist, and we've been on top of these uh, these shots from day one because we know how important it is. And I have, to knock on wood right now, I have not been sick or had COVID yet, but my wife has. Um, and I, I believe, and maybe you're the expert here today. One of the things is, when we have all those shots, we're not. We may get sick, we may get COVID, but we're not going to be deathly sick. That's right. Yeah. So, I myself contracted COVID in November of this year, and I was fully vaccinated and boosted, um, and it really felt like a bad cold. Um, that's the point of these vaccines and that's the point of the booster too is really priming your own natural immune system so that you can fight off uh, viruses. So I'm really glad that we have these vaccines available to us and I just want to encourage um, your listeners out there uh, if they're still on the fence about getting the booster or even you know starting that primary series um, 
we are ready um, and happy to assist folks in obtaining those shots. It's really, really important, um, particularly for elders um, and folks with other, you know, other types of medical conditions who might be more likely to really feel that impact from COVID-19. You know, when this, we forget because we have such a short memory, but we had an opportunity in the beginning. We have a uh, uh, the head CEO of Native American Community uh, Clinic on most Mondays, and he had COVID, and that mm-hmm. was before, and remember, before yeah. any vaccines, anything out there, and it was a close close call for him. He was in the hospital, mm-hmm. and uh, mm-hmm. we have such a short memory, Laura. Yeah, I, I feel that too. I mean, it's been, what, three years? And uh, the first time I got a shot was, I think, January of 2021, and I was so grateful. It was a total celebration to have access to this shot and to have that sense of relief. Um, Life goes on, you know, people get busy. Um, uh, The feds have told us that the emergency is over, right? So, um, you know, all of those things combined, I think, can lead people to kind of push it off. Um, But COVID still is here and it can be deadly. So we have uh, possibly some people that have been so busy, haven't gotten together, and haven't had their first or second booster. Can they just jump over and do the the bivalent? Bi- oh, I can't talk today. Uh, booster shot is, or do we, would, is there an order they have to take, or can they just jump ahead? Well, what we recommend is that you at least get that initial two dose series. Um, that's the, the primary series, meaning it primes up the immune system. And after that, we recommend one shot of the bivalent booster. So if you haven't started the initial series, um, probably your nurse or pharmacist or, um, you know, your doctor, they're all going to say, well, let's, you know, let's get you going with the initial series. Um, but I do know a fair number of folks who have gone ahead and got the bivalent. Um, we're certainly not going to stop you. Um, but if you want that full protection, I would recommend all three shots. So where are we at? I know when the when the uh, shots first came out, I mean, our tribe, my tribe in Wisconsin was out there getting Amazing. elders done for. Yeah. Elders done first, and where can where can we get shots now? I know things have changed and progressed. Where where would my uh, uh, relative go in the Twin Cities here? Yeah, um, I would recommend going to a local pharmacy, going to your healthcare provider, or coming to a, a clinic run by public health. Um, we just finished up a vaccine clinic tonight at First Baptist Church in downtown St. Paul. I know a number of my colleagues in local public health are offering um, just you know both appointments and uh, walk-in clinic availability. So. Um, you can actually go to find my vaccine and you'll still find a list of um, opportunities to get vaccine. You just have to put in your zip code and you'll find a shot, you know, within a mile of your residence. So they're very available right now. Um, that could change, though. Um, I know we're, we're talking about uh, sort of the end of the public health emergency coming up in May. Um, You know, these pharmaceutical companies have certainly been uh, looking for ways to to monetize eventually. So, um, you know, healthcare in the U.S. is unfortunately, uh, it's privatized. So, again, I don't want to make anybody scared, but I do think, you know, while we have access to this free vaccine and it's, you know, the feds have purchased um, plenty of vaccine for all of us to remain up to date, I think it's really important for us to take advantage of that. I just, yeah, I just, to that point, thank you so much for bringing that up, Laura. And I was just talking with a friend about this too, you know, um, the, the federal government just closed the, um, home testing, the mail, the mail tests for free that you can take, and you're going to have to start going to your doctor for these things. And the vaccine companies aren't going to be this generous forever. They put a lot of money into developing these vaccines rapidly to try to help us. And they're not going to keep offering it for free. And if you can get it for free, you should get it for free go do it Mm -hmm. now and don't waste that time and um, save your save your immune system and your pocketbook at the same time yeah yeah so they're talking in the future here it was possibly to uh ogama's uh 
point uh, to have a once a year kind of uh, vaccine that like the flu shot. Uh, mm -hmm. It took many years for me to be convinced to take the flu shot. And I can say for the last 10 years, I have been. And one of the things that made sense to me, my wife said, and Wendy has been on the show, uh, used to be on every night, uh, and I talked to her every day, so was that it, it, even if it wasn't the, the exact str uh, strain, it would protect me in the future from a strain that right. may be more. So can you get in a little deep on that? Because that, that's something that's really important, and a light bulb went off in my head when she explained it like that. Yeah, so every year, you know, scientists look at what's coming out of um, uh, our partners in the southern hemisphere, right? So they take a look at uh, the viruses that are circulating and they do their best to provide a good match for us. Um, but, you know, the current seasonal influenza vaccine protects against four different variants. So um, it's, it's, a pretty decent um, option for some protection for all of us in the fall. I've had to do some convincing of my own for uh, especially friends of mine who are in their 20s and 30s, you know, they're like, oh, it's just the flu. Um, but I'm really eager for us to get sort of aligned with the COVID-19 shot and the flu vaccine. I think people are more likely to um, get those done, you know, concurrently in the fall, um, as you're prepping for, you know, the winter holidays, having that maximum protection going into the winter months makes a lot of sense to me. And it's certainly easier to communicate, right? It's not like, oh, you got a shot, but now you have to get another shot. You know, you, you, just, <laughs> you get it done every year, just like the flu. Um, and, it, yeah. and it keeps you protected during the, the months where we are most close to each other, you know, visiting with family and friends and travel so yeah yeah go you ahead know, Olga. it sounds like you have a question well <laughs> i guess it's not a question it's kind of like an anecdotal thing you know when you're convincing people um my father uh who since passed uh convinced me when when my first child uh was born about 10 years ago it was when the vaccines cause autism thing was really big and i was yeah. doing a lot of research on vaccines and their safety and efficacy and all that things and i was talking to my dad on the phone about it and he's like look i need to level with you he said it's kind of a crapshoot either way he's like but the chances of your child getting seriously ill and or dying from a disease you could have prevented with a vaccine is much higher than the chances of them getting hurt by a vaccine. Absolutely. And so technically there's a chance on both sides. Well, that <laughs> but your mm -hmm. odds are much better on the vaccinated side. And that's true with any vaccine that they have. You are much safer vaccinating for just about everything than you mm -hmm. are by being not vaccinated. So yeah, I mean, this, this brings back Robert's point earlier um, around our memories being so short, you know, infectious disease in the U.S. was uh, just, we, we are so lucky to have the access to vaccines that we have right now for a variety of uh, diseases, and it's, it's really improved our lives. So I just want to encourage people to go ahead and, and get immunized when you have that opportunity. Absolutely. And Laura, we want them to check their pharmacies and all around here, especially here in Ramsey County, where I live. Uh, really appreciate you being on and, and speaking the truth, because I think it's important and there's so much misinformation out there in gray zones. And thank you so much, Laura, for straightening us out on everything. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. We'll have you on again. Hey, you're listening to Native Roots Radio Presents. I'm awake. We'll be right back. We got another guest coming up. Oh, This is Ellie Krug with Ellie 2.0 Radio. Now my show will be on Saturdays from 10 to 11 and replayed on Sundays from 1 to 2. You will get to the best of Ellie 2.0 with talking about idealism, with guests who come in and who are idealistic, who are trying to change the world, and you will get me, Super Idealist. Tune in. We can't wait to hear from you. And you'll hear from me Saturdays from 10 to 11. Turn to Auto Technical with your vehicle donation. Even though Auto Technical is a small nonprofit, we have helped more families with transportation than any organization in Minnesota. Since 94, we have reconditioned donated vehicles so they have a higher tax benefit. 
Call Richard at 612-919-5526, 612-919-5526, or autotech.org. Winter fun is waiting for everyone at the Park Tavern. The Park Tavern is a great get-together location for family and friends. The food at the Park Tavern is outstanding with something for everyone. Pizza, wraps, sandwiches, burgers, salads, entrees, pasta, and wings. Take advantage of the best bowling lanes in Minnesota and enjoy the full menu while you bowl. No matter what your favorite sport is, the Park Tavern has all the big games on its many screens. And if you're looking for a private event, the Park Tavern offers private event packages for any size group. On Louisiana Avenue, north of Highway 7 in St. Louis Park, warm fun this winter awaits you at the Park Tavern. Tune in this Saturday morning right here on AM 950 for the kickoff of Season 7 of the Gardening with Join Holly radio show from 7 to 8 a.m. We'll be discussing the world of seeds and seed starting as well as strawberries in the ground and containers. Our guest is author Pam Farley and will answer your garden questions. That's all this Saturday morning from 7 to 8 a.m. right here on AM 950. Tell a friend and let's grow together. Hey, John, I heard you're turning 65 this year. Time to start comparing your Medicare insurance options. I'm so overwhelmed with all the different Medicare companies and plan designs. I don't even know where to begin. Really? I worked with CompareYourMedicare.com, and they made my Medicare decisions seem easy. Oh, really? What do they do? CompareYourMedicare.com represents several of the top Medicare insurance companies in Minnesota. A local licensed agent will help you compare Medicare plans to determine which products best meet your needs and budget. Hi, this is Jared with CompareYourMedicare.com. We're a local small business that prides itself in helping our community with their Medicare needs. Medicare is complex, but it doesn't have to be. Whether you're planning to retire early or work past Medicare eligibility at age 65, give us a call. We can guide you through how and when to apply for Medicare. Go to CompareYourMedicare.com or call 952-465-0074 to schedule a consultation. CompareYourMedicare.com is part of the Minnesota Health Insurance Network of Agents. We are your relatives. We are your relations. Brothers. Sisters. Sons. Daughters. And and some some of us are your grandchildren. We are your community. Historically, we held places of honor and respect. Because of the impact of colonization, some of us are rejected, thrown out from family, friends, and community, set up as targets for sexual violence, sex trafficked, humiliated, tortured, and murdered. Everybody has the right to be safe. We are your relatives. Remember, homophobia is not traditional. Sponsored by the Minnesota Indian Women's Sexual Assault Coalition. With your AM 950 weather, I'm Brett Johnson. Look for cloudy skies tonight with a low around 15, Thursday partly sunny with a high near 31, and Friday partly sunny with a high around 35. Come visit the award-winning Hazel's Northeast in Minneapolis for breakfast, lunch, dinner, or weekend brunch. For breakfast, try the slow-cooked brisket hash, hippie cakes, and meat waffle, while for lunch, enjoy favorites like the veggie burger or beet salad. Located off 29th and Johnson and at hazelsnetogo.com. You're listening to Native Roots Radio. This is Spirit from Reservation Dogs. Get up and listen. Welcome back to Native Roots Radio presents I'm Awake and this is Robert Pilot. Hey, this portion of the show is brought to you by the Native American Community uh, Clinic, honoring uh, health and tradition. Hey, we should do that again, but it's live, so forget it, Olga. My whole <laughs> it, it warms my heart because you uh, you are always so good at this, and then when you make a mistake, you go, okay, I'm okay, because I always um, make mistakes, and I'm not going to make a mistake with our next guest. Uh, excuse me a second. Had to clear my throat there. I'm going to say Kirsten Johnson, and uh, Kirsten has a blog called From Res to residential and uh i want we want to talk about housing and how to get us natives going here and i know years ago uh kirsten i uh appraised homes uh during the the crazy part of the 2007 2008 where uh you know you turn around and your the house is worth a ten thousand dollars more and then the big crash but uh this is a very important uh, message you have and uh, let's talk about you and uh Matter of fact, my son-in-law is a leech laker, and his last name is Johnson, too, so we're all related. Welcome. <laughs> I'm pretty sure we are, but um, yeah, the Johnson part comes from the ex-husband, though, so I'm a <laughs> Burnett Slack, or the family's up there, so um, but yeah, thank you for having me. Uh, so some of my background is um, I 
worked in real estate. So similar to you, I got my realtor license um, actually in Georgia when I was stationed down at Fort Stewart uh, in 2005. So that's where I first got interested in it. Came back, you know, out of the military, came back home, uh, just got my license again, thinking I'd kind of get into the boom that was happening or do the Airbnb thing or whatever. And as I started looking into that, I had some issues with the ethics and what Airbnb is doing to our housing market right now. So I had to pivot. So I'm halfway through my class and deciding not to do this route. I started looking into um, Native American home ownership in general, both on reservation land or in the, you know, the areas up north of Minnesota where Leech Lake is, but then also around here in the Twin Cities where I live. And what I found was that we are severely underrepresented and for a multitude of reasons, um, you know, I mean, you know, the generational trauma and repression and income, but a lot of it too is just um, attitudes and knowledge and understanding of the market. And so what I decided to do is finish out my real estate license and then go into real estate education. So what I'm doing now is guiding new homeowners and I'm aiming toward Native American, but I am happy to help anybody who is, again, new to the system, who is part of any marginalized community. Right now I'm specializing with a lot of veterans, single moms, um, people of color, you know, both Native and not, and uh, kind of walking them through kind of what this game is for the housing market. How do you get your credit score up? What is a debt to income ratio? Uh, what kind of programs are available and what's the catch for them. So yeah, you hear about a startup fund, but what are the hoops that you have to jump through to get that money? I'm doing all the research. That's what my blog is going to be, is kind of putting it into layman's terms of if this is something that could work for you, here are the actual steps of how to do it, not all the jargon and all the worksheets that government's going to hand you. So how that's can, my goal right now is just, yeah, educating in as plain terms as I can. How can we uh, catch up to your blog and how do we find you and how do we uh, get a hold of you if you want to be uh, your realtor? And I think what's really fun is I love correcting people when they say realtor and I say, no, it's realtor. <laughs> yeah, but uh, how can we get a, get a hold of you? So right now I have it's res2residential.blogspot.com and the two is the number two. So rez2residential.blogspot blogspot.com. What I'm working on right now is creating 513C where we're going to have an Indian or uh, new home buyer education program. Because one of the hoops I found for a lot of programs, especially, especially national and state programs, is that you have to go through a HUD approved education program. And a lot of those programs are very condescending and kind of treat you like you don't know how to manage money or you don't know what a credit score is. I like to give people a little bit more benefit of the doubt or again, put it in terms where we're relating. You know, right. who do you use? Who do you use for? Uh, sorry, Ogama, I'll get you. I'll get you next. Uh, who do you use for financing? Because I think that's a really important uh, aspect of what you do, too, because the uh, the realtor I worked with and this is when we bought this house 23 years ago. Um, that was the first thing he wanted done. So we knew where we stood and what kind of, how many structures, you know, it's like, you know, I want to buy a house, you know, well, is it an attached garage? Is it a four bedroom? Mm -hmm. All these questions, or what can you afford? So, uh, do you work with one? And I know, uh, my old realtor friend who was doing it for 40 years back then, he worked with many. Um, but only certain ones. So he was exclusive, but he had a few that he worked with. That's a little bit of what I'm doing. So I do have, um, like I have one lender that knows VA loans really well. So if you're a veteran, I'm going to take you over to her. And then I have the big one for first time and low income homeowners is going to be neighborship mortgage. And I'd love to oh. bring them on here too. They're just super, oh. I mean, it's, it's someone who worked for Wells Fargo, saw all of the corruption, saw all the bad. And he, wanted to create something better and they're doing yeah, he and his fiance are doing it and well, they're awesome. Ogama knows uh, firsthand how great they are. You do? That's who helped me and my husband buy our house last year uh, was uh, Jesse over at uh, yes. the neighborship mortgage firm. And actually we just put in a call uh, to Emily uh, recently because uh, we needed to talk about some 
future planning, uh, possibly with, you know, a parent's house um, in our life, because that's mm. something that comes up as we start to get a little older. And um, I was just looking at your blog today, and you have so much great information on what's called the HUD 184 loan, yes. uh, which is the home loan guarantee program for native borrowers. And me and my husband had initially qualified under that. And um, we were using, you know, an approved lender and all of those things. And then we couldn't find a house that met the specifications. Mm -hmm. um, and it was just something that we decided to do to wait another year or two to buy a house so that we could get a more traditional loan path. Um, but, you know, that's another aspect of it, too, that like you get into this and you're like, well, yeah, I'm, I've got a home loan guarantee and you think you're good to go and then you know they kind of just keep throwing things out at you and even if you do know um, money management and credit scores and how home loans work and all of those kinds of things um, knowing what the next step is in the process and how to navigate all the paperwork and all of that is like it's an entirely different it's it's a foreign language to I think just about everybody I don't I don't know a person well, native or non who didn't need help buying a home. Exactly. It was good that I uh, married someone that had a better uh, credit score than me. I just have to throw <laughs> that out there right now. Uh, but, I hear you there. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah. Ogama, uh, this uh, seems set up when I when I heard that the name of that company because we're good friends with all of them, and I know you work personally with them, so that's great. Yep, Emily and I met up, um, and again, yeah, a referral from someone where they said, "Oh, it sounds like you're what you're doing for us residential is what Neighborship is doing on the lender side," and I was like, "Who are these people?" So. Yeah, I'm just super excited to work with them more. So, um, and yeah, and they're mortgage brokers. So they also work with, you know, high income or they work with other people, but they do know, you know, when we were talking, they work a lot with the Hispanic community. And yeah. they said, again, the native loans, like the HUD 184 is a little bit of a blind spot for them. So that's where I said, I'd love to work with them a lot more and kind of take on that sector and work with them there. But like you said, it's not just a, you know, it's not a guarantee guarantee. And we see this with VA loans and FED, FHA and other ones too, of just the stipulations that the government puts on what they will let you buy with it is mm -hmm. much different than conventional loans or cash buyers or anything else. So again, understanding that what you're really looking for, what is actually required is, like you said, a totally different language and confusing for smart people. I mean, for you know, average, smart, intelligent people. So I'm right in right. there. Hey, Kirsten, uh, one of the things that uh, I'd like to uh, mention that I don't think Enough people mention this, but you know, you it sounds like you've been in the business for what seventeen years, sixteen years, yeah. roughly. I, I'm not very good at math here on the fly. I'll have to get running out of fingers. But I think it's so important to remember that it, to have a realtor with experience. We all know cousins and and great cousins that are jumping into the business. And it, this is what like the most important purchase you're gonna make in your life. And to find somebody with experience is so, so, so important. Mm -hmm. I agree, yeah, experience. And again, a curiosity to really dig into some of this stuff. So you'll sometimes run into people who are like, yeah, I don't know, like, yeah, HUD 184, never heard of it. I don't know what you're talking about. Versus someone who's like, well, let me read into that. Let me dig into if you really do qualify for this. And again, someone who's willing to take the time. Now, I do do this, and I've always done this um, part-time on the side. So that's kind of the other thing is I'm also not rushing my buyers into anything. It's like if your credit's bad, if you're low income right now, yeah, let's take a year or two to really build this up. And I will walk with you the whole way. I'm not going to push you into something that you're not comfortable with. So I think that's a big key, too, is just finding someone who's a good fit for you for things like that. Ogama. Well, I'm finding somebody who's respectful to where you're at too, you know, mm -hmm. like there's no shame in being where you are today. You know, everybody can get there and having people that meet you where you're at and go, all right, so I know how to help you along this path and we can work on this together and building that relationship is so important because initially when we started out, we, we didn't have anybody helping us with that. Um, we had somebody who was showing us houses who was kind of trying to push us into things and then really was disappointed to hear we got the HUD 184 because he didn't know what kind of houses he could show us. And then even our lender didn't even really know that much about the HUD 184. They just had us do the paperwork and we qualified, but they didn't, they couldn't answer any questions for us or anything. And um, we got lucky that we got involved with Neighborship Mortgage and that 
there are people like you in neighborship that exists. So if you're um, looking to buy a house and you need help, I mean, don't hesitate to reach out. There's absolutely nothing wrong with not knowing how all of this works. Exactly. And it feels so good to be respected in that way. And um, like you said, some of that stuff can be really condescending. So I'm really, really glad to hear you're doing this work. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah, no, Person, can, you, can you hang on for another segment with us? Sure. Yeah, or for a few more minutes so we can recap. We we had a hard break here coming up. Uh, you're listening yeah. to Native Roots Radio Presents. I'm awake and I'm here with Ogamon. And we're talking to Kirsten and Kirsten Johnson about her blog and a good way to get a hold and get some knowledge and not be afraid to ask questions. I think it's so important that... Uh, you're re reaching everybody, but especially the Native community, because uh, it's a confusing path that sometimes, you know, with uh, different things uh, that are unique to our Natives. So we'll be right back. This is Native Roots Radio Presents. I'm awake. Stay with us. ho -wa. Hey, Olgama, I've been hearing a lot about this term, climate justice. What is that? Climate justice is recognizing that the negative impacts of climate change don't affect all people equally. It also means transitioning from a fossil fuel-based economy to a more sustainable future. MN350 is one of the groups that's pushing for this transition to protect our futures. You can even get involved, too. That's great, especially since I'm concerned about pipeline projects like Line 3. How can I help MN350? Just find them on Facebook or visit mn350.org. Hi, this is Frank Brown, owner of Minuteman Press Uptown, Minnesota's only minority-owned union printing company. And I have big news. We've moved. Our new building in North Minneapolis is much larger with state-of-the-art equipment. That means we can get your projects done faster. We're on Washington Avenue North off I-94 at the Dowling exit, which allows for quick pickup and drop-off with plenty of free parking. And yes, we still print everything. I moved to MP Uptown because as a black business owner, I want to be in North Minneapolis and help provide jobs. At MP Uptown, we pay above living wages, hire people who have made mistakes in the past, and believe in social justice. We have over 175 Google reviews with a five-star rating. Let us handle your next print project because when you support our business, you support the community. Call 612-870-0777 or visit mpuptown.com. That's mpuptown.com. We print everything. Minnesota has the only original wolf population in the continental United States, and 80% of Minnesotans believe the wolf should be protected. Howling for Wolves is asking Minnesotans to respect our true wildlife manager, the wolf. Their survival is critical to our ecosystems, our communities, and even our economy. As highly intelligent animals with strong social bonds, Minnesota wolves deserve to be protected and admired. Learn more at howlingforwolves.org. Let's live and let howl. This is Winona LaDuke of Honor the Earth, and you're listening to Native Roots Radio. I'm awake. Welcome back to Native Roots Radio presents I'm Awake, and this is Robert Pilot. Hey, this portion of the show is brought to you by Howling for Wolves, protecting wolves for future generations. Oh. Looks like we got to do that over. Ogma Kirsten uh, Johnson, our guest from uh, Res to Residential blog, did not howl. Well, in in her defense, I forgot to warn her. So. Oh, oh. <laughs> I would have joined uh, in. Had yeah. Well, you had a big smile, and we appreciate that. And I appreciate your shirt <laughs> that you're wearing too. Land back, and uh, that's one house at a time. You can use that tagline if you want. Oh. Um, but uh, we're here talking about your uh, blog, which is important, but also just uh, like when Ogama chimed in a little bit here too, the dispar disparities and attitudes that are out there that uh, you knew, you as a, a leech, a leech laker, uh, knowing uh, our native community and can to meet people where they're at. So I appreciate that. And uh, I just want you to uh, give a couple more shout outs to how we can get a hold of you, how we can listen to you. And, um, and then we'll let you go eat supper. Oh, <laughs> there you go. 
Um, yep, for now, it's uh, you can check my blog out, restoresidential.blogspot.com. So that's where I'll post. I'm trying to do pretty regular updates of just things as I learn them. You know, again, native programs, non-native, first-time home buyer, uh, all sorts of stuff. Basically for Minnesota, though. I'm trying to look for statewide Minnesota-related things. Um, I'm a realtor through Bridge Realty. So if you look them up, they're based in Bloomington, which is nearby to where I live. So that's helpful. Um but yeah, I think the best way to contact me is through the blog. And again, hopefully you guys are meeting me at the start of a something that blows up to be something way bigger. I'm hoping this is a 5013C, a huge, you know, a charity, a something that we can do and really help change the entire culture and educate a whole generation of people to become landowners in their own right. Yeah. And uh, before we let you go, Ogama, why don't you... Uh chime in here. I know you have a couple uh, things to say, but it's important. And I think really, I really, my eyes really popped open when you talked about these B&Bs being taken over corporately across the country and uh, raising the prices of houses, rents and everything. Yeah, you know, today I got the pleasure of watching uh, the East Phillips Neighborhood Institute uh, take over the Minnesota House, uh, Minnesota House Committee. And I chuckled to myself as I was watching uh, the uh, East Phillips uh, Neighborhood Institute people and uh, their supporters speak because um, behind them were Native people and they were cheering. And I was like, yeah, Natives in the house. And now you're here today talking about changing those sim uh, systems too for home buying. So it's Natives in the house twice today. Um, and I'm, I'm really silly excited about both. So thank you so much for doing this work. And um, one more time for everybody, it's res, R-E-Z, the number two, residential.blogspot.com. You can find uh, support there to reach out to uh, Kirsten and to, um, you know, get connected and uh, start the process or um, get help along the way. It's really, um, it's great to have somebody meet you where you're at. Exactly. That's what I'm going for. Thank you guys well, so much for the time and yeah, all the questions. This was awesome. Yeah, thank you. Uh, you know, thank you for what we try to do is be a conduit to our community and uh, bring people on like yourself that are doers and helpers. So we really appreciate you doing what you're doing in a good heart and a good way. So thank you for stopping in. Thanks so much. All right. Wow. That was that was fun, Ogama, huh? Just like the old days, we were doubling up on the on the interview and and things like that. Uh, that was awesome. That yeah, was it's, awesome. been, it's been a little while since that's uh, timed out, you know, with uh, the craziness of of life. <laughs> yeah. Hey, <laughs> well, check it out. I, I want to talk to you a little bit about uh, in the last bit of the show here. You know, uh, Wounded Knee was uh, another experience uh, for me, and uh, we haven't talked since then. And uh, it was, you know, I just have to say this uh, about Wounded Knee. It was the 50th anniversary this past weekend of the occupation of Wounded Knee. And to meet so many people, there was a lot of different people there than the last time I was there because it was the 50th Ogama. And uh, it's interesting to see ordinary people do extraordinary things. And I think that's one of the takes I had from this weekend because... Uh, these people came from all over the country. They were college students. They heard the call. Uh, they they heard people say, come and help our natives. And they were at that age, too, that, you know, people maybe don't understand this, but natives were not, um, you know, seen in a good way by the community out there. So uh, it was powerful. It was also... Um, uh, you know, heroic, heroic for these people to come out there and do these things, Ogama. So it was a good thing. And uh, uh, it was a really good thing to see. And there's, uh, they're getting up in years, so there won't be another 50th Ogama. Absolutely. And, you know, there's still plenty of um, situations where, you know, maybe the Native community is really not viewed um, in such great light. And I think that that's why, um, you know, the occupation of Wounded Knee has really held fast as such an important um, 
an important historical event for for native people you know we we talked about again east phillips neighborhood and their occupation of the roof depot and um yeah you know they weren't met really it's still a space that you know native people are not necessarily feeling welcome in uh when you go into the legislature or when you um you know battle your city and um to have those relatives to look up to and to hear from um, is really a blessing. And uh, I'm really glad that you got to go out there and, and have that experience uh, in, in the bitter cold though. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> a lot of it was inside and uh, it was funny. Last time I was there, I was with uh, Clyde Belcourt, who was one of the founders of American Indian movement. And he asked me, asked me to go with him. And of course I did. And that was three years ago, pre COVID when he was still alive. And I remember going up to the gravesite before anyone else was there and there was like no kidding Ogama there was two or three feet of snow and I fell because I misplaced my stuff blah 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 but when we went back uh when the when the march of four directions started around one most of the snow was gone uh it melted away like really quick so I, I I just, it's crazy. I can't even think of people living out there. And uh, we went through the Badlands twice. Um, and one of the times three years ago, I was with Clyde when they decided and prayed about, you know, he was a tour guide showing us where they, where they sat within the Badlands and prayed and talked about uh, the wounded, to taking over Wounded Knee, basically. And they didn't want to let a, uh, anybody else know because... They, the police and the sheriffs and uh, military thought they were going somewhere else, and they made the stand at Wounded Knee that ended up lasting 71 days. Right. Uh, and again, you know, if it, if, it, if it was cold this year for the 50th, you know, had to have been cold that year, too. And um, I think we forget about, you know, the resiliency of our relatives. Like you said today, you know, we have a short memory uh, and a long history sometimes. And um, taking that time to, you know, remember where why Wounded Knee is important, um, not just because of the occupation in 1973, but also um, because of the relatives lost at the uh, massacre of Wounded Knee in 1890 uh, by the U.S. 7th Cavalry. You know, these these uh, lands are um, important. And um, really, really good point, Ogamon. One thing I want to add to that is these things like Standing Rock, Wounded knee, um, the fight, and the fight is starting again, as you've reported here, with uh, with the uh, Black Hills is starting up again. Um, that was discussed, but that these people, whether they were at Standing Rock, Wounded Knee, Alcatraz, thank you, Alcatraz, it sparked something in them to keep on and keep on um, helping their people and stepping up and um, saying. We're here. We're not going to stand this anymore. So that that's a very powerful um, thing that I was reminded, and and uh, that that's the way it's been, and that's why the show started was uh, Standing Rock. So a great show again, Ogma. Thank you for the news, and thank you always for helping me pronounce names and get people on here. So it's been a good day to be here. We're still here. We are the seventh generation. From Chief Plenty Coops, the ground in which we stand on is sacred ground. Free Leonard Peltier now.